Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. All right, guys, we have another very exciting guest episode today on the snooze button. I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I have with me here, I'm looking at their beautiful faces, the two founders of Peer to Peer Placements, Jenny Peterson and Lauren. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to say your name wrong. Laura McMacken. You got it. Great. I did it. Oh my God. Amazing. I was like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to butcher it. And then you're going to be thinking about it and look what an idiot I am. Okay. We're good. So peer to peer placements. Thank you for having us. So much for having us. Yes. Thanks for coming. Um, And for those of you guys listening, peer to peer placements is a brand new spanking, a spanking brand new company here in LA, a premier family concierge service. So they're a professional, excuse me, domestic staffing agency here in the South Bay. So like Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, PV, Redondo, um, and through a thoroughly vetted screening process, they place nannies, chefs, house managers, personal assistants, newborn specialists, all that fun stuff with love and care to support all of the wonderful families around here. So guys, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, of course. We're excited. Woohoo. So, Okay. First, tell me, because I mean, I when you told me initially about this idea, Jenny, I was like, well, thank God, because I feel like this is the type of thing that so many people in this area need. And there isn't right now like a great place to find it other than like going on Nextdoor, which is like how I found my nanny, which is fine. Right. Um, but it's certainly not like a professionally vetted system, um, better than just like talking to your friends at the park. So how did you guys come up with this idea? And then I'm also curious, like how you met each other and how you like decided we're the two people who are going to do this because that's like that's a really big commitment to not only have an idea but to have like a partner where you're like yes we're both on the same page we can do this together totally and I think it is funny because you know things just do kind of happen for a reason and I think that in hindsight why potentially we came into each other's life was for this um because I had been kind of thinking about it for a while Um, I don't know if I told you this, Laura, but when I met my husband 10 years ago, we were like, you know, like you meet each other and you're like in this dream phase and you're like, oh, like, wouldn't it be great if we worked together too? And (laughs) always that terrible idea. Right. And so we were going to do this and we were going to call it Sandy Bottom Staffing. (laughs) And then it was just like, obviously one of those things, like we had, you know, other jobs that that didn't end up happening. Um, (laughs) But... Then, hey, Laura, you want to so say yeah, so we actually, I've only been in LA for, it'll be three years um, coming up. So I haven't been in LA for too long. I'm from the East Coast originally. And I actually knew Hanley, Jenny's husband, before I knew Jenny. Um, and when I moved out to LA, he was one of the first people I reached out to. And I came over to Manhattan Beach and hung out with Edie, um, who was a baby at the time, which is crazy. Um, and Hanley, and that's when I met Jenny for the first time and I mean, I think we kind of just instantaneously hit it off and I became think it's a soulmate connection. Yes, exactly. And became yeah. really good friends. And over time, Jenny started sharing a little bit about this idea with me. And I think it was actually we were in the desert, maybe. And I have been in I do my best work in the desert. <laughs> I have been in human resources my entire career. And as Jenny was talking about it, I, one of my old bosses, I worked at Deloitte and Touche for a long time, had asked me to come up with a screening methodology. So I worked, I did about a year's project really 
coming up with a way of doing behavioral based interviewing, which is essentially looking at past behaviors as future predictors. And as Jenny was talking about having a hard time, you know, screening and finding a nanny, I was like, oh my God, you want to actually use this technique of behavioral based interviewing. And it's essentially saying, you know, Jenny, tell me about a time where you had to deal with a child who had an allergic reaction, for example, right? Mm. How did you handle it? What did you do? What steps did you take? And it's very interesting in an interview. I've learned this over throughout my career, what people will actually tell you. Oh, yeah. You learn a lot through that process. And the things they say is sometimes exactly what you don't want to hear. And you know right away, okay, this person isn't going to be right for this situation if it were to come up again. So I think once we kind of started talking about that, it got the ball rolling, but it did take us a little bit of time to, to yeah. Then it was like, Oh wait, we would sincerely be amazing partners at that because like both of our assets together will crush this industry. And like you said, it is, it is a missing piece of, of the puzzle in, in Manhattan beach. Um, you know, I'm born and raised here and, uh, historically Manhattan beach was slower, quieter, not cool. And so <laughs> a lot of like, the moms, um, they didn't work or they were part-time and they hung out with their kids and, and they raised it. And now Manhattan Beach has just grown and grown and gotten more and more expensive. And so there's so many dual income families. The moms are working full-time. Everyone needs help. And that void wasn't really filled. So it just kind of became the perfect idea. And we've gotten such amazing feedback and so we just want to like thank everyone because everyone's been really positive and really encouraging. And it's been super cool to start this. Yeah. I mean, and you guys have done such a good job. I mean, those little pamphlets, I texted you. I was like, where did you get these made? I want them for my business. Like you already have a nice website. You have like a curated, nice Instagram. Like it's hard doing that stuff. Um, what like, I guess because you worked at Deloitte, so I'm like, sure that was a piece of it, but you certainly weren't making like Canva pamphlets at Deloitte, I'm sure. So no. like, did you guys have someone or like a resource that you went to when you were building the business where you're like, how do I even, cause I, I, for me, I found that just like, you know, getting from zero to one is the hardest part, like just starting everything. Yeah. And I feel like that was sort of what took us the longest yeah. was like, we, we were talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and getting it going was hard, but we got incredibly lucky. Um, one of my closest friends from high school, her name is Erica Goodyear Bliss. This is actually what she does. So she built our website for us. And I also, when I talked to Jenny about it, I was like, oh, it would let us be partnering with another female entrepreneur, which I loved. So Mm -hmm. we reached out to Erica and Erica kind of walked us through and was incredibly patient throughout the process with us as we sort of built the website and then made the decision that we weren't going to do social media, but then we felt like we really needed to. So by no means, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. I could have never done that on my own. I'm not technical by nature. I couldn't have done that, but we, we got incredibly lucky that Erica was able to help us. So she built all that out for us, which was awesome. And she saved us because like you, it's kind of like the time, right? If you're, you know, hundred percent full time crushing it employee, I'm working and a full-time mom. And so it gets daunting to have this huge list or this huge project to do. And so just honestly, even carving out like 20 minutes a day to get started, right? And all of a sudden you kind of start having this snowball effect. And it did take us probably like a full year longer than Yeah, I mean, in the middle of that, like your kids are getting older. You know, I changed jobs and all that. I left Deloitte after 
over 16 years and I'm now at Facebook and my mom, unfortunately got diagnosed with cancer. It was just like one of those things where it was like, every time we got a little bit of momentum going, I felt like something in our personal yes. life kept popping up that right. kind of delayed us. But I do think because we had Erica driving us. Um, so I think that would be a lesson learned for me is like have an amazing partner. Yes. I mean, she would give us to-do lists and it would be like, so helpful. you have to do this. I need this. I need that. I need this. And it honestly, like it kept us on task and she and I would, we had a weekly meeting at Jenny's and it was an hour. So I, you know, unfortunately with both our schedules, we couldn't do more than that, but it did help us knock it out and really get things going. I, I, I completely, that resonates with me so much. And I, I think I have a business coach and I think anyone who owns their own business, it's like every boss needs a boss kind of. Yeah. Like somebody to like, you have to be accountable to somebody, right? It, it Like if you tell yourself, like, I'm going to do, I'm going to like, I'm going to update the website. It's like, it's going to happen in two years, unless you like get a web designer who, and you're like, I want to get this done by September. So like, tell me what I need between now and then. And they're like, next week, you have to send me all the copy. Like you will be up all night working on the copy and you'll get it yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was amazing. Fun. So, okay, you you sort of touched on this a little bit, Laura, but I find this like so interesting. And I, what you said about the, I forget the name of it when you're um, interviewing someone, the like official name. Behavioral based interviewing is what it's called. Yes. And I remember getting like when I used to do interviews in my past life in New York, like I would ask questions like that. I'd be like, when you had a pro, like, tell me Tom, you made a mistake and how you handled it. And the people who would kind of deflect and be like, well, my manager was like out of the office. And so like, I didn't know. And the ones who were like, I had a lot on my plate. I shouldn't have said yes to everything. So I totally missed this, like all that. So when you guys are like going through this process and someone approaches you and they're a chef or they're like a nanny, like how do you vet them other than obviously like doing a background check and things like that? Um, And yeah, like that, I guess that's the question. Like, how do you, how do you find the right people for these jobs? So what we did was as we were going through the process, I actually built out a series of questions based on the different roles, right? So for a nanny, again, the example I gave, you know, is, you know, tell me about a time when you, you know, you were nannying a child who maybe had a food allergy, you know, what steps did you take to ensure that child was always safe? Something like that. And it is always interesting, like I said, who will say what and who won't. So what we, what I tried to do, we built out, like, it's basically a library of questions, Um, and you know, I, I tried to think through and we talked a lot together about, okay, like if I had somebody doing this, how would I want them to handle this situation, whether a nanny or a chef or a personal assistant, et cetera. So yeah, we try to put them in real life scenarios that they're going to face with us. And I think what is interesting in one of our first interviews (laughs) was essentially somebody who said like everything you don't want to hear, you know, and she was very clearly financially motivated I would say it was like almost like 98% of her answer to everything was money, you know, and it was like, well, if they're going to pay me, I'll do this. And if they'll pay me, I'll do that. And I, you know, they have to have a car. It was like very much her terms, her (laughs) demand, what she wanted. It was not about, you know, how the family, how I can support the family, what the family needs. This is how I've handled these situations in the past. So I think it was it was a tough initial or what was one of our more like early on conversations, but it was such a good learning. And it is why that technique works with interviews, because you do really you're able to weed out very quickly somebody who's just not the right fit for a given opportunity. And because this isn't like, you know, a corporate job where someone's coming in and you're in the office and you're on their best behavior. This is someone coming into your home with like right. your kids, potentially like it's so much more personal. And so it 
I think that's the benefit. You know what? This is kind of, we've never talked about this. Do you feel that because we're the middleman, people would maybe be more honest with us than in an interview? Like, I think we get more real with the candidates. We're getting way more intel than what they would give a family. I agree. I agree. And that allows us to say to the family, you know, here's a couple things maybe I would probe a little mm-hmm. bit. And that's another, like, that's why this interviewing technique is great because you, I could say to Jenny, hey, Jenny, I spoke with Laura. These are three things that were great. This last question, I was a little uncertain with how she answered. So when you speak with her, because we always give the family, obviously, the opportunity to have that interview and, you know, and an additional conversation, follow up, make sure you're comfortable with this, make sure this is going to be a right fit for you and your family. Because as Jenny just said, you know, this isn't like having somebody come in and, you know, just in and out in a day. This is somebody potentially who's going to be a part of your family and you want to make sure. And you're like watching your kids. I mean, I think. And maybe you guys have a good answer to this, but I have found with so many friends that the hardest part is like they don't, and it's not to their own fault, but like, you know, they're going back to work in a month and they like need somebody and somebody's good enough. And like, they wake up a year later and they're like, this hoe is like coming to me and being like, we don't have any diapers, Miss Claire. We don't have any diapers. Like, and you're like, well, maybe you could have told me that because I've been in San Francisco all week and like, I didn't know we didn't have any diapers and maybe you could have like helped and let me know. Um, And they're like in this place now where they like, can't afford to not have help and they don't know how to like let the person go. So do you find that like, cause it sounds like you guys talk to the families. You're not just like, here's your nanny. Like they're, you're get, presenting them with like options. So do you give the families any like coaching would be the wrong word, but things to say, like, you know, make sure you check because this person, you know, can't drive. And I want, you know, think through if you're going to have your kids doing activities, like how you would handle that, because that's going to be a potential issue. Like I, I find that people don't, sometimes think through the long term of having this person in their house with their children. Yeah. I think we try to, you know, you don't want to drive the conversation for somebody because it should be, you know, personal to that family, but you do try to say like a couple of coaching things. Here's what I would suggest. You know, we spoke to this individual about this. We ran out of time and weren't able to talk about these three things. I know this was something you mentioned that's very important to you, whether it's driving or something else, make sure you talk about that. So it's always us trying to, you know, make a marriage for lack of a better way of putting it. Right. And yeah. it's, also, it's never like you have to take this person. We are saying we're presenting you with a couple of people. We think they have great qualifications, but this has to be what's right for you. And if it's not right for you, we're going to keep looking until we get it. Right. And I think that would be something that we want people to be aware of too. Like if something, if, if you guys can take something away from this podcast, that would actually be helpful. It's kind of like, how do <laughs> you approach the interview or what do you yes. ask? Right? And we want you guys to like, really take your time. This person is going to be in your family, like we're saying. So interview her. If you were discombobbled, if your kid was crying, you don't feel like, or him, excuse me. (laughs) But um, come back, have them come back, do another Zoom. And of course, you know, do a trial day. Have these people in your Mm -hmm. home, see if they're on time with the parking um, and just never be afraid to kind of spend more time. They're interviewing you. So use and abuse that, you know, just right. take your time and, and don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. I, totally. And have you guys found, um, yeah, and I actually have, I'm not sure if you do this, but I always want an interview is for them to ask me questions too. And yeah. like that for me with the first nanny we met when we were looking was like my red flag. She seemed fine, but she had no questions, zero. It's a like, massive. She didn't even ask how old the kids were. Like, I don't even think I had told her that yet. I was like, you're That's just going to show up tomorrow. Like, no, I've read in any situation, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, 
any job, any scenario, any situation, like if you're interviewing for whatever, like if you're not at least curious, like what are the hours, you know, what are your expectations? Why is this role open? Like they should come and set to the table. And I think that is one of the things also, like we try to do on both sides, right? Is if we feel like we have a really strong candidate, we're not telling the candidate what to say, but there is like a prep. Right. And also with the family, we can say, again, as I said, you know, Brittany, we didn't get to talk to this individual about this. Please make sure you you dig in a little bit here. We want to try to help both sides find the right fit without driving the, the whole process for them. Like we're not saying you have totally. to hire ever. Have you ever had I know I know the business is still relatively new, but like I'm wondering how you would handle a scenario where like the family who approached you wasn't a good fit for you guys. You were just like you're kind of a nightmare. Like, I don't want to give you a chef because what you're asking for is crazy. And like, no one wants to live in your house and cook for you at 2am. Like, has that ever happened? Or like, how would you guys approach that side of it? So far that hasn't happened. We have been getting such positive responses. And so far, everyone has been referral based, which as everyone knows, that's where to get clients and candidates, right? Yeah. Um, so we haven't had that rogue person come in in an email yet. But I mean, I think for me, and again, this is probably just pulling on all my corporate experience, I would honestly, in that scenario, just be honest with the person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to waste anybody's time on either end. And I would just say, of course, and have anyone that, you know, listen, your- Laura, I'm sorry right now. You know, I don't think this, you know, we, we have anybody who fits your needs. We'll absolutely keep this role in mind. But, you know, I would, I would definitely suggest that you continue to explore other opportunities. I don't want to lead them on, but I also wouldn't want to, you know, give them false hope that we're going to be out there really looking for them. If we can just tell, I mean, like this, that, you know, the, the candidate we interviewed that we just knew wasn't a good fit. We, you know, we sort of followed up and said, you know, we're we're absolutely going to keep you in mind. Thank you for your time. It was a a soft decline is what I would say. And I I think that's what we would do with the family. A soft decline. I love that. I've had to do a few (laughs) soft declines myself. Yeah. Once a year I'm soft declining. Um, That's great. Um, so what would you say, I think, especially for, I mean, nannies and, and night nurses too, cause you guys do, I know like newborn care specialists and, you know, uh, people who are there in the very early stages of life, like what for a family to you, and this is outside of stuff that's very personal. Like I know some nannies, you know, like only want a family with a newborn or like maybe they're, they specialize in twins, but what are things to you that you would tell a family, you know, who's not going through an agency potentially, um, that are things they should watch out for or like questions that are very important to ask for like any family when they're dealing with little kids um, that you guys, that you guys always do. So you mean like newborns in particular? Yeah. Newborns or just basically anyone who's working with your kids, like a nanny or newborn care, postpartum doula, like anything like that, like not even red flags, but like questions that you would want the answer to and make sure they're giving you the, the right one. The right one. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some like basics that jump to mind, obviously, like, you know, making sure that they're CPR certified and finding out a little bit, like, have they ever been involved in, and I know it's like, you don't want to be doomsday, but you do want to say like, have you ever been in an emergent situation? How have you handled that? Like, absolutely. And doulas can go through different training programs. They can have certifications. So always checking to make, my mom was actually a doula. So I know a fair amount about that space. So like making sure that they've gone through, you know, at least a couple of programs to really make sure that they're comfortable. And again, I'm using the newborn example right now. And then I also think it's, it's saying, taking a step back, which I think is really important when you're interviewing and thinking about, okay, 
what is a situation that I would want to potentially know how they would handle? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to be out of town. You know, how would you handle a situation if the baby, you know, like the baby ran out of diapers and you're alone? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? And I know it sounds basic, but it's like, you have a newborn, it's the middle of the night, you're out of diapers. What are you going to do? Are you going to call somebody to bring you diapers? Are you going to get the newborn in the car in the middle of the night and have to go out and get diapers? Like talk to them a little bit about how they would handle things. And I think you can always glean a lot about like how somebody reacts under pressure, which to me is always very telling because, you know, you can't predict how a newborn in particular is going to react. Like if the baby's up screaming for three hours, what are you going to do to calm down the baby and also make sure that I, as the mom in that scenario, can continue to sleep? Are you going to take the baby into a different room? Are you going to shut off the monitor? What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? And really like letting them tell you how they're going to walk through something like that. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good idea. Um, I love that. And when you guys have people who come to you, um, like what are the most common, I'm talking about families now, like what are the most common requests you get specific to what you offer? So like, obviously they know you like hire chefs or nannies, but like, what are, do you often get people who are like, I want someone who ha- you know, has their own car or I want a chef who can only cook gluten-free. Like what are the most common, like, you know, a lot special- of people want um, their nannies to drive because they want, they have, you know, after school activities or the preschool isn't walkable. Um, and so they need to make sure that there's, you know, a clean driving record, a safe car, um, and that everyone feels comfortable. Like I personally didn't feel comfortable with a nanny driving my kids when they were young. And so I was mm-hmm. like, you can go anywhere as long as you can walk there. <laughs> but now, you know, they would have to get to soccer practice or whatever. So that's like a huge thing that people ask for. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of people kind of throw out their dream scenario, right? And they're like, and we would really love it if the nanny would cook. And yeah. a lot of times that's a no. <laughs> uh, the nannies just generally speaking don't feel comfortable putting that on their plate, right? Their priority is the kids. They'll cook dinner for the kids, but then having that pressure of organizing a family dinner for the parents just isn't something that a lot of them are are very open to agreeing to. And so unfortunately, that's um, something that we have to manage the client's expectations pretty often with that. Not to say that we won't ask and push for it, but it doesn't seem to be a big seller, unfortunately, yes. on the name. I learned that as well. I was like meal prep. Nobody wanted to do that. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's Jenny and I, we were talking a little bit last night, but there's like a little bit of fine line between like expectations for a nanny versus like a personal assistant or a family helper. And there are shades of gray in there for sure. But like, I think some people are like, oh, if the kids are at camp, that means the nanny all of a sudden is going to become my personal assistant and do everything in the house. And some will, you know, I know when my mom was doula, she was willing to run errands and do laundry like while the baby was napping, but you have to, that's something you need to agree to upfront and make sure that individual is really comfortable with. And if not, you may be talking about two two totally different roles and you need to break them out and think about like, okay, what are my priorities? What is, you know, obviously in this scenario, childcare, I would assume would be the biggest priority and you got to figure out how to deal with the tactical stuff some other way. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's the hard part because I think so many, especially like people in in my situation, which so many families are here where it's like two parents working full-time and multiple kids, like you kind of need help with everything, but like, that's not the nanny's job. Like the nanny's job is to watch children. Um, but it sometimes mean they need to call you and figure out what else they need. 
Um, have you guys noticed, because I'm curious about this, have you noticed like surprising takeaways from people? Maybe nanny is pretty straightforward, but other things like chef or personal assistant or house manager, like um, surprising wins coming out of it. Like they asked somebody just to be the chef, but like this has meant now that they have time to do other things or they're starting to eat healthier. Their kids are eating more adventurously because they're not just being given like mom's like gross casserole every night for dinner. <laughs> that would be my kids. Gross casserole. People some make casseroles. <laughs> that's, that's what I would probably try to do. It would be bad. It would taste bad. So not a good joke. I mean, I think... So I do, I do think like, I like the example you gave. I can't think of an example where necessarily like we, I I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I do think that would be like a good offshoot of, you know, having a nanny who maybe is willing to cook really healthy, right. And has that time to do meal prep and the children do end up eating a lot healthier. Or if there's extra time and the nanny, you know, is willing to get them down to the beach or take them to the park and stuff like that, like getting them outside, getting them active, little things. And I think, again, that's something that the the parents can talk to the nanny about and say, these are a couple of priority areas that because of our schedules, we just can't, you know, get the kids out outside enough or we can't wherever you know or we want them to do more arts and crafts you know like talking to them you know we want them to have more time to be creative like really sitting down and talking about this is the structure of what their days look like now this is how we would like it to evolve now that we have your support and really getting in a good rhythm I think the benefits like are huge for kids as long as you think that totally yeah because most of that stuff is is talked about up front because we know what the kids need we know the ages right you're hiring a nanny because they're not in school yet and you work or you're hiring a nanny because they're in school and you need after school care. So everything is kind of laid out normally ahead of time about just expectations, right? Or right. I think you might be referring to maybe more long-term, right? Where a nanny's now been with you for five years. Now the youngest is in full time in kindergarten. And then does that role? Yeah. Start changing because the nanny's just sitting at home all day with nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, and we we spoke with a nanny who was kind of in that situation. Yeah. She was like, you know, yeah. I was like, I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> you know, I want to be busy, but the kids are getting older and they're in school. And even though she adores the family and is essentially a part of the family, she was like, I, I have to start looking for something else. They've outgrown me at this point. And so totally. then we got her in with a um, a family that had young kids, right? So that she can now grow with them, go through the baby phase, the toddler phase with that family. And then the family that... um she had to leave, we placed a family helper with, right? So now it was more, amazing. Yeah. And after school, um, maybe arrive to the house an hour early, clean up, et cetera, you know, fold some laundry and then pick up the kids from school, take them to the after school activities. Um, and so everything just kind of had to, you know, evolve, move on, evolve. evolve. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, that's how we found our nanny. They had three, the youngest was, I think, nine. And they were like, at this point, we're like, just trying to come up with things. We love her so much, but like we have kids in like Miracosta. We don't need a nanny anymore. Um, but I'm very fascinated by the thing you just said, the family helper, because I feel like there's a ton of families who need that, whether they have school age kids or maybe they have kids in like full-time daycare or even they have a nanny who leaves at, you know, five, like, do you, do you get a lot of, um, people inquiring for things like that? Like I need someone from six 30 to nine, just to, like get the kids out the door or someone from like five to eight to like meal prep, you know, help us with bath time, things like that. I feel like it, uh, this, this is just me, my opinion. I feel like it's something like I want to get out there more. So I'm glad we're talking about it, to be honest with you, because I think, you know, when we were building out the job description and talking about mm-hmm. it, like 
there's definitely a ton of people who do it, but I feel like people get so focused on that nanny role. Yeah. It's like you don't realize that there are individuals who will do different things for you, right? And can do no support for you. So I think that family helper, and you can definitely tailor and get creative with it based on timing and what you need for your for your family. So I feel like that role in particular is mm-hmm. one that like, we have a lot of interest. Yeah, in there's a lot. There's yeah, right, it's yeah. A lot of, yeah, it's because it's not full time. Um, and again, just finding that sort of, I guess, like good marriage of what what those needs are is super important. So I feel like it's it's like an invaluable role for families. Oh my god! And as an agency, you guys have the ability to like find all of these potential people to do it. And I know that a lot of families, especially if they have like one kid and the parents working part time or something, they don't need a full time nanny. So I think, I mean, I was in that boat of thinking, which most of us do, that like, if you want help, you need to just get a full-time nanny. There isn't really another option, but I bet you guys are going to get an insane amount of inbound requests for that kind of stuff, for part-time help around the house. Yeah. It doesn't need help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need so much more help than I have. I I, I need like three more people and three of me duplicated. Um, I love that. So now that you guys have you know, you've been in business for a little while now, like what's something that's surprised you about the early stage of your business? Like, is there something, it sounds like the response has been really great. And just knowing you, Jenny, personally, now I know you, Laura, um, I know that everyone who knows about the business talks about it very, it's like, this is amazing. They're perfect for this. Um, But beyond that, like things that either have been harder than you thought, or just like a surprising thing that has come from like launching a business, especially a local business where like, you're really focused on like where we are. Yeah, I've, I've, really enjoyed. I mean, I knew I was hoping that people were going to enjoy this idea. Um, and it has been really positive, but it's also been really cool because I feel like we've started to create this little community of our own. And I've now, and like I said, it's all been referral based so far. So I've spoken with this person and then she referred her sister. And then I'm like, Oh wait, my best friend knows you from growing up. And then we talked to this nanny and she's like, Oh, my sister's looking for part-time. And it's just been this really cool circle that has evolved and it's been so cool and so fun because I love talking with people and I love, you know, just hearing everyone's stories. Um, and it's been just a really positive experience. Yeah. And I think the other thing I also think like from a business perspective, which we've sort of had to find our groove is that you know, you need a partner who can be flexible and really work with you if you're going into business with somebody else. Because my schedule, unfortunately, as we finally got things up and running, of course, blew up work-wise. So I had to keep saying to Jenny, like, I have like one window where I can do a couple interviews with you. And it's put a lot on Jenny. And so I think making sure that you have a business partner that you can talk to and really communicate with and have a good understanding, like for me, I think that has like reassured me that this was the right decision and that we do have a really good balance. And like Jenny went away for a week on vacation and I was like, all right, listen, if anything pops up while you're gone, I'll cover it that week. So when you're going into business with somebody, you know, having that open line of communication, I think, again, this is like from like a pure, you know, business perspective. I think that has been super important. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. And like along that vein, um, like any advice you would give somebody who wants to start a business, not necessarily your business, but um, <laughs> something like this. We're not trying to get any competitors. Somebody's going to listen to me. This is a really good idea. Um, but just in general, like, and maybe especially launching with, besides what you said, the communication, launching with a partner too. I know. I mean, how has your experience gone launching a, a solo business? Do you sometimes feel that pressure of there's no um, one? To- 
here. I want to go on vacation. I did. And like, I still just have to manage that. I have, uh, and I call her my operations manager, but I have someone, which is nice just to have a person. Like it's just a person. So if I'm on vacation, I'm like, this has happened once in my entire career that I I've done this, that I actually was like, I'm putting my, my phone down and like, you can't talk to me for five days. I'm going to Cabo peace. Um, and I was like, just text me if something's like actually an emergency. And it's nice to know that there's just someone there. Um, no COVID was my partner. I, I went live, um, the week that the world shut down and we weren't allowed to walk on the beach. So remember those days, TBT. Um, so that helped a lot cause I was just locked up raw. So I had nothing else to do anyway. So it was fine. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I think the other thing I would, you know, and I, I talked, we talked a little bit about Erica and, you know, you have an operations manager. I think it's, it's figuring out, you know, aside from whoever, you know, if it's you or you're a business partner, but making sure you have the right support around you to, to help you. Yeah. And just, you know, for me, at least it's gotta be people you trust and feel very comfortable because like, I've never done anything like this before. And like, we had to go to the bank and do all these things. You know, it's gotta, yeah. it's gotta be somebody yeah. you can be vulnerable and open with as yeah. you figure things out as you go. And, you know, again, just starting, starting off and being really open and candid about what you can and can't do together. I think for me, at least that's made this, even though it took us a little while to get going, right. it did make it as smooth as it's been overall. Yeah. And we've had a lot of support too, just like from my family, because my dad, brother and husband are all recruiters. <laughs> so it's kind of in the DNA. In the blood. Um, so to bounce ideas off of them. Um, and my husband was working for a larger company and then just started his own firm. So it has been, you know, a little easier to have that to fall back on, which is helpful. Totally. Yeah. I think but that's a luxury, I understand. No, but I think, yeah, right. and leverage mentors and coaches. Like I have a couple, my, my uncle is one and a couple of my old um, leaders from Deloitte, like I've reached out to and bounced the idea off of. And I was like, you know, totally. if you were starting a business, what would you do? How would you handle this? Just making sure that you sort of really have that, that external support, I think too, has been great for all of us. Totally. I, I think, and I, I learned that the hard way, trying to build my own website, terrible decision. I was like literally crying at my, at the desk, like messing everything up. And then I was like, why don't I just spend like, sometimes you just have to invest Yeah. in, if you have resources that are free, like relatives who are in the bit, great. Um, but sometimes you have to like spend money to make money, right? You have, can't, you can't do it all. I do agree with that. That's a big one too. Like we, we did sit down and build a budget yeah. and, and I think yeah. we were very like realistic and structured at that beginning process about like, this is what we can both put in initially. This is what we have to get right. off the ground. And what do we need to prioritize? What's most important? Like the pamphlets and we've done some giveaways and things like that, but like a big chunk had to go to Erica to get that launch for us. Cause there was, yeah. was speaking for myself. I wasn't going to be able to. No, because I actually love that stuff. Like I feel like I've built a million websites, but it just came down to time and it not happening. Right. And then it's just like, we're wasting time. We're wasting time. We're wasting time. So finally, I mean, this is my husband's least favorite thing to hear in the world, but like throw money at the problem and let's right. Sometimes it, you have to, it's called chaos tax and yeah. to avoid chaos, you have to, do it. And I think it was yep. beyond worth it. It was, yeah. 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 So worth it. Yeah. Once you do it, you're like, why did I wait so long? Right. Um, okay. I don't want to keep you guys hostage for too long. So we have a couple of questions that were submitted by Ooh. listeners. Ooh. Um, they're really Ooh. good. Okay. Merit said, um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I need help around the house. What would be the easiest tasks to hire out? And I'm presuming by that she's not asking for a nanny. She just needs like SOS like every mom. Hi, Merit. <laughs> so 
on this one, I think, and I, I don't want to like put the question back on merit by any stretch of the imagination, but I think what I would do in this scenario would be to sit down with her and say, what are your top five to 10 things that you need done? Right. What like, is stressing what you is, out? What, yeah, exactly. Is it administrivia? Like, does she need somebody who can help organize? Is it, you know, like operational support, like you were talking about? Right. Is it stuff around the house, laundry, errands, like really have her think through what are those prior- priorities. It, to me, it feels like somewhere in between a personal assistant or a home helper. But until you right. really think through what those things are, I think that like I would suggest for her, she really thinks through her needs and then potentially we could help her try to find somebody. Yeah. like Or do her kids right. have food allergies and dinner time stresses her right. out so much. Like right. let's, right. 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 Like, yeah. let's find the meal prep. Um. Yeah, it's kind of, it's so tailored to each individual's needs. Right. It's almost like, what are the things, I don't know, I'm like, I'm thinking of that question. Like, what are the things that you're taking time doing that you don't want to be doing that someone else could do? Because for some people, it could be watching kids, but they could be like, I want to be with my kids and I can't because I have to cook or like, I have to do laundry, whatever. Or a couple days a week, I'd be like, I would rather cook than spend time with my kids. So you're 100%. Also, Jenny, I don't believe you because Hannah and I were talking about this until she's like, I will look out my window and Jenny's like watercoloring in the yard or she's like blowing up balloon animals or something. And I'm like, am I a bad mom? And I'm like, Hannah, are you kidding? Hannah's also like the sweetest, best mom ever. I'm like, we can't compare ourselves to Jenny. Okay. Well, Not everything's crafty. Fine. See me behind closed doors. Once I closed the, the door of that minivan this morning, I was like, you and everyone else some of us just don't close the door you're just more private about it it's fine we're all doing the same thing um okay jen said what is oh this is a good one what is the best slash kindest way to fire a nanny should i be honest or vague love that jen yeah um so i would say honesty i'm putting on my corporate legal employee relations hat here a little bit. Um, Honesty is always the best policy, but I think there are certain things you have to be very careful about what you say and what you don't say. So like if there is like, you know, something significant done wrong or something like that, you know, you can terminate anybody at any time for any reason. And quite frankly, you don't have to give them a reason. Like this is an employment at will situation. So you really don't have to say anything. But I think if it's, as simple as, listen, you know, Brittany, this just isn't working out for us. We don't feel like this is the right match for this family. Like I would always say to that individual, be honest and open and also come to us and be honest and open with us, especially if we helped you find somebody or even right. if you didn't tell us what didn't work, make yeah. sure you're open with us about that. So then when we go to find you somebody new, you can absolutely do that. I think you want to be careful about saying anything about, you know, legal status or communication skills like you just want to be very cautious about putting yourself out there a little bit too much about what you do in certain say you know do and don't say in certain situations but outside of that I think you know you just want to be honest and upfront with somebody and you never know like they could end up working for somebody else like they could be a great match for another family that you know it just may not work for you and that's okay Mm -hmm. you know what I mean there's nothing wrong with that I think it's super important to note too that this can be handled any anyway what I suggest what we suggest is that if something happened, if you're not happy with your nanny, you fire them. Ideally though, you pay them for two weeks. It's like a two weeks notice, right? As with mm-hmm. Any, mm-hmm. But 
they can't come back. Yeah. You let them go on a Friday. You tell them why. Here's your two weeks paid. Don't, I'm not going to see you on Monday. Right. <laughs> because once you fire someone, well, they're yeah, with your kids. They're in your house. You, you cannot have them back. back in your home. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Because I've, I've, I, this has come up with a few friends and like that there were concerns about, and like, of course they were spiraling to like worst case. And like, what if they tried to like take one of the, like something crazy, right. you know, it's just like when you're like in your head and you've had three margaritas, but <laughs> Yeah, that was what this family I, I'm thinking of was struggling with is like, do we've had her for a long time, but she's just not not who we want anymore. And they were struggling with like, should we keep her for a month and tell her? And I remember saying like, I feel like you should like tell her and like, that's it. Like it shouldn't, don't like come back and hang out for a bit. No, agreed. For sure. Yeah. 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 And you do, you do have to be nice to them because most of these nannies, they're in like the nanny mafia. In the town nanny and they- mafia. Exactly. It's a racket. It's a real thing. It is a racket down here. Um, okay, Claire said, "What is the most valuable slash bang for your buck role to outsource?" And work, uh, we're working parents, two kids under four. We have a nanny, but still need more help. But it's a lot of little things like meal prep, organization, admin, etc. Okay, so it kind of be like merit. It's kind of like yeah, it, you know what? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's top right. It feels a little mm-hmm. bit similar, somewhere between like a a family helper and a personal assistant. assistant. It sounds like a little administrative based on what she put in that question. But again, I think it would be thinking through because like one of the things also is you're not going to be able to necessarily get one person to do literally everything you want them to do. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to always be able to find you somebody who's really good at accounting and it can help you, you know, do a bunch of stuff around the house and also is thrilled to do your, yeah, is also right. Thrilled to do your meal. (laughs) Like you just, right. you know what I mean, so I think it's being realistic and also, but also really thinking through what do I need and what is going to really impact me and give me the most like breathing room for me and our family and then start right. from there. And you never know, like you could hire Jenny and she's, you know, doing a whole bunch of household stuff and it turns out she's the best cook. You know what I mean? Like you just, right. you can avoid it, but I think being realistic to me is super important in a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just tell us what you want. We'll try to make it happen pretty much. Yeah. I love it. Love right. it. This has been so informative. I mean, I'm thinking about like when I can b- budget in getting a home helper from you guys. That's all I've been thinking about this last 40 minutes. Um, but thank you for coming on. I'm thank so excited for this continued business to take off. And you're going to help so many people around here that I have no doubt it's going to be a huge, huge success. So thank you guys for coming on. I so appreciate it. Thank no, you. For that is so us. cool this to hear. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're super grateful and we're super excited. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.